Hey everyone, welcome to another edition of the Beyond the Art podcast. Once again, today I'm here with Yash, aka Mathcabal. What's up, everyone? Yeah, so today we thought we would do a little defense pod. So we're going to look at like three different teams, the Celtics, Timberwolves, Warriors. We're going to look at their schemes um, and how we think um, their defense is going this year, how well it's going to fare in the playoffs, things like that. Um, so I think the reason why we pick these three teams is that they have all pretty unique schemes compared to each other. Um, the Celtics as is becoming more and more mainstream in like mainstream in like um, the discourse around it, like they're switching a lot. Um, Timberwolves, they haven't, people haven't talked about as much, but they're kind of a more aggressive, like high hedge, um, scheme, aggressive to a fault at sometimes you could say. Um, and then the Warriors, they just play really just solid defense. They try to keep everything in front. They show in the gaps a lot. Um, they load up strong side. They really don't overhelp, and they just play like really solid as a unit. But yeah, we'll get into in depth, pretty in depth into each, uh, team. So yeah, let's start with the Celtics first. Um, Yash, so what do you what are your thoughts on the Celtics defense so far? Yeah, the Celtics are just so well oiled as a unit. I feel like um, uh, they employ more of a switch heavy scheme, uh, mostly because of the personnel. Like they start uh, Marcus Smart, uh, a super switchable guard. He can guard probably one through five, honestly. Um, Derek White, Jason Tatum, uh, Jalen Brown, and either of Rob Williams, Al Horford. So like, and then those two bigs are pretty agile on the perimeter too. Uh, so yeah, they run a, a switch heavy scheme, uh, but they can also run traditional pick and roll defense. And they've been sort of creative in how they've employed that recently uh, with the addition uh, of Derek White too. Uh, and Ben Taylor talked about this in his recent pod and we sort of touched on this in the last video, but they've began using Robert Williams as a roamer uh, and that's an effort to uh, take away his deficiencies, which as a pick and roll big is like just general uh, lack of discipline at points where he, uh, uh, you know, in, in space, he could, uh, he, he can make erratic decisions. Like uh, he's jump heavy, uh, you know, and, and whereas someone like Al Horford is, is more uh how, how do I put this solid. as a veteran? Yeah. He's just more solid, right? He just knows the schemes, knows the coverages, uh, just better as a, as a drop as especially in drop. Uh, so, and Robert Williams, what he does so well is, uh, just his athletic traits. Um, he's incredibly fast, straight line. Uh, and you know, obviously he's his length. You use that to, uh, you put him in position to disrupt looks at the rim. And they've done that by using him as a, as a helper. So they throw him on like a weak shooter uh, in the corner, for example. And w when, you know, when he sees the opportunity, he, he'll come in and uh, uh, just a swat a shot coming in from the weak side. And if ultimately, if, if he helps and they kick it out back out to the perimeter, he's fast enough to, re to recover. And uh, with that length, he can, he, he, he can, even, he, he'll deter corner threes and sometimes even block them. Um, so yeah, they've employed Robert Williams pretty creatively, and uh, as a substitute for him uh, as a pick and roll big, they've used Grant Williams and uh, Al Horford, as we've talked about. Uh, so yeah, that's been interesting. Mm -hmm. uh, what would you say to that? Yeah. So I've been watching the Celtics defense pretty closely, and yeah, the switching is definitely a part of it. And in terms of like 
part of part of how they do it is just place like strategically placing their matchups like as you said robert williams is like on a weaker shooter who probably would like space to the corner but like i was watching their uh, game against the hawks the other day on national national tv um and the hawks kind of go to offensive set just like double drag with uh young and then like well john collins doesn't play in that game so like gallinari and capella or something like that so what they would do is they would get marcus smart Derek white and grant williams involved in that action and you would think like typically that's a pretty small um Lot, like a small group to be guarding like probably like a too big and like Trey Young lineup but the reason why they do that is just they can switch everything in that like double drag situation so mm-hmm. they kind of just like they kind of like zone it up in a sense so they they let Trey Young like do his thing get around the screen they chase the the head the last hedge defender steps up he takes Trey Young the other two like one of them pops one of them uh rolls the offensive players for the Hawks and then the Celtics defenders are already there because they switch and it kind of just blows up the action. And now the Hawks are just playing one-on-one um, against the shot clock. And if you look at the numbers, Trey Young only had six assists that game. And usually he's probably going to get a lot more. But they were forcing Trey Young to play a lot more um, one-on-one against the shot clock. They were, they were uh, even for like the other Hawks players, like Bogdanovich Herder, like they were playing a lot more one-on-one, having to create off the dribble, uh, which is what the Celtics are trying to bait you into by um by getting to their switch their switch scheme because the only way to beat switch really is if you get dribble penetration the Celtics have good enough defenders to where when they're locked in it's really hard to get any sort of um drives and then even if you do they do a decent job of like scrambling and getting out mm-hmm. um I will say one of their one weaknesses is starts with like Jalen and Jason um they sometimes aren't always completely locked in um, on ball or like off the, like when they have to close out, like yesterday that Jalen Brown, I remember, um, actually, no, it wasn't that. It was, I was watching the Indiana game from, from before Jalen Brown had a pretty like bad closeout, gives up baseline, gives up a dunk um, for the Pacers. And like the Pacers are just getting like dribble drives on them all day long. And they kind of just tore apart the, the uh, Celtics defense. Um, but you know, it's like Jalen Brown, Jason Tim, those are the, like their high usage offensive players. So like, sometimes that's just going to happen because they're expending so much energy, um, on the other end, right? But, like when they, they give up things like that, it kind of just destroys their, their defense a little bit. When, but when they're locked in though, it's really, really hard to do anything against them. Like I remember the, the first game out of the break, they were playing the, uh, Nets, but the Nets obviously, you know, they didn't have like anyone. It was had no Simmons, no Kyrie, um, no KD, but it, it kind of really showed you like that game, especially it really is exasperated too by the Nets lack of any sort of like good offensive um, personnel, but like the Celtics were just keeping them on the perimeter. Like no one could get inside like whatsoever. And even if they did like Robert Williams and Al Herford were there to erase like any sort of shots. Um, yeah. The, do you have anything else? That, I have a, one more point, kind of like transition uh, for them. Uh, so w- would you say that the Indiana game was uh, sort of like an off night for them defensively? Because overall, like they've been really good. Uh, just looking at the numbers, number one defense since in t- the year 2022. Uh, yeah, yeah, I would definitely say that's in more of an off night. Because if you with that switching system, if you're not completely on point, like you're gonna get lit up. Like the the way yeah, the, Pacers, the Pacers blew up that game was. Um, they ran a lot of like ghost screen action with like O'Shea Brissett. Like O'Shea Brissett hit like two or three threes in a row that game, um, just off like ghost screens and like Daniel Tice just didn't get out fast enough, and O'Shea Brissett just hit hit through some threes, blew up the game. 
Um, Pacers started getting up and down a little more. Buddy Heald hit three. I think Chris Duarte hit a three. And then they kind of just blew the game open. And Celtics, the part of their issue, their half-court offense isn't very good. So if the other team's scoring, they're just going to have to come down. Um, they're pretty ISO heavy, and they just don't always make enough shots, especially to make a comeback. Um, the right. other making threes. It's just really, it's really tough for them. That's actually a pretty decent segue. Like their half court offense, like part of the part of the um, way they've um, done a lot better on that, and it's just by getting to transition more. I think they've done a better job of that compared to earlier in the year. Um, whereas, like they'll get a stop, but they'll like walk it up a little more. They they won't exactly like take advantage of them getting a stop. But now, like I think they're doing a better job just getting out and running. Um, there's been a few sequences I remember. Al Horford, like he'll grab and go a little bit and like quick outlet. Um, and then they hit like Jalen Brown or like Jason Tatum and like an early seal type thing. And they're, and the guys who are getting back for the, for the other team, it's usually their guard since they're up top. So they just post up a smaller guard, get a pretty easy bucket. So that's one way they can like prop up their, their, their offense a little bit because their half court mm-hmm. offense is still not great. Yeah. Um, I, I agree with that. Uh, I'm like in all the Celtics games I've watched, like even with, uh, Derek White and that this newfound infusion of, uh, ball movement that they've had recently uh they're still largely by iso heavy and uh you know just the lack of offensive creativity is pretty evident um so yeah things like transition offense just get easy buckets that's uh, as you said that's an easy way to boost it you boost your offense yeah they're really gonna have to lean on that a lot more which is also that's part of the reason why i'm not like i think that they have a shot at contending just because their defense can be really good and i think they could match up with anyone um, well, on that it's just like if they get slogged down in the half court on offense, like it's it might it's going to be a really it's going to be a tough one. Like Jason Tatum, I will admit he's done a lot better um, in terms of like reading the double team. He's not trying to like beat the double one on one. Like he he made a pretty good he made actually like think one or two good skip passes yesterday. Mm-hmm. The Hawks doubled him um, at the three point line. Marcus, it, it was a ghost screen. So Marcus Smart set a ghost screen. He popped out. They, they, the Hawks took that away. They sent a double to him, and then he like did a little retreat dribble through a cross court. Grant Williams and he made a three. Um, so he just he's able he's been able to punish double teams a little more at least in in that game, which which is a which is good offensive progress for them. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, just in general though, like they're really gonna need their defense to like they need to be locked in on that end, or else they're gonna they're really gonna struggle in any sort of playoff series. Yeah. Um... And yeah, going back to your point about the offense, do you think that's more on coaching or just player tendencies? Uh, um, I think it's a little bit of both. So like, yeah, obviously tendencies wise, Brown, Tatum are kind of like rhythm dribble, get in your bag type guys. Like they're just going to size up a defender, like shoot over him. They don't always blow by and like create, create an advantage. Um, but the other thing too, Udoka, at least earlier in the season, when I, I documented this, a few, I wrote an article about this for about their Christmas day game, when they, they blew a lead to the, to the bucks, like down the stretch when it was close, um, they were running a lot of sets, um, to get a mismatch for like Tatum or Brown. But the, the issue with the sets they're running is a lot of it was like pin down stuff. So they were going o- kind of like away from the basket. So they, they would catch it and then have to attack from a standstill against the shot clock. And it's like, that's pretty, it's pretty tough to ask someone to do that. Like, unless you're like Kevin Durant, like do that every single possession against like a pretty, like the, the Bucks had all good defenders on the floor. So it's not like it's a, it's an easy feat. So yeah. So some, maybe sometimes just like get stuff to, um, or run stuff to get Tatum and Brown going more 
downhill I think would help but also like just tendencies wise like Tatum and Brown they're just like slower offensive players yeah uh, and the Celtics definitely have like the the extra passing talent to like capitalize off of any advantages that uh, like a Brown or Tatum would generate going downhill uh so yeah definitely uh the focus should be on getting those two downhill and making plays yeah well, this is a defense pass. We're not. Here this is a defense play. podcast. You are right. Yeah. Yeah, but yeah, it's it, it kind of is goes hand in hand because like obviously if their defense isn't clicking, they're gonna be in the half court a lot more, which is not great. So yeah, they need to get into transition, get some of those. Need to play a little faster. Um, just running off their defense, I think that'll that'll help them a lot. So I think they definitely do have a puncher's chance against mm-hmm. most teams. Um, I guess I guess every team in the East pretty much they have a pretty good they have a they have a chance at least um, their defense is good yeah but just half court offense not not always clicking so any any more thoughts on the Celtics yeah I definitely think they could their defense can scale up or down to any Eastern Conference opponent uh, they have the size to match up against like a Giannis and uh, just you know, the wings against KD guard uh, obviously they have some of the best defensive guards in the league um, so. Yeah, they, I think defensively they wouldn't have any problem uh, come playoff time. It's just, like we said, the offense. The only thing I actually – I don't know about the size part because I feel like Embiid really? and Giannis might give them some problems because Rob, well, Rob Williams is only like 6'8". Like, yeah. Rob, oh, yeah. Rob Williams is – I don't know. He's not the strongest player either. Yeah. Uh, so those guys could uh, help uh, – what is it? Hurt him physically. But yeah. uh, how would you think like Al Horford would – Well, uh, yeah, Al Horford historically has done pretty good. IMB. But he is old. He is, he is yeah. Old. He is. It's been a few years since then, um, mm-hmm. and like obviously they brought back Daniel Tyson. MB just kind of eats up Daniel Tyson every time yeah. he sees him. So mm-hmm. yeah, I think size is the one thing that might. You're right. Issues because, like the sw- they're switching like doesn't really do anything once you, you get uh get Embiid involved. If you run like a hard and yeah. roll, like do they really have the personnel to? switch that like you're gonna like switch like marcus smart and Derek white onto Embiid and just hope i don't know so it kind of just like negates their um like their scheme just by having some mm-hmm. post up, some post-up threats yeah that's true definitely yeah um yeah any more thoughts or did you go to the timberwolves uh yeah i think we can move on yeah so timberwolves defense in comparison to the celtics is a lot definitely a lot more um aggressive like just the the inherent nature of like having a high hedge is you're get, kind of giving up in a like at a point of attack for the for the offense every single time down. Um, yeah, like what have you seen from the Timberwolves defense this year? Yeah, uh, a word to describe Minnesota's defense is like uh, is limited. Uh, I think they can run. They're able to run like uh, limited. Yeah, I mean like they're able to run one scheme uh, and you know not even that well. Like recently, their defense has slipped up. Like there's something like. Uh, they start off as a top 10 defense and uh, defense, raw defensive rating, but they've slipped up. Uh, I think in 2022, they're like a bottom five defense. Uh, and there's a lot that has to do with that. Some of that just has to do with uh, their insane opponent shooting luck that they had to start the year. Like as a result of aggressive uh, pick and roll defense, if you're trapping the ball handler, then uh, with uh, you're giving up an advantage. And so you're often giving up like a wide open a three-point shot and those just weren't falling for their opponents and that sort of boosted their rating uh, but as those have fallen recently and uh, their communication their togetherness has sort of slipped up we've seen them fall down the rankings too uh, but just from like a general standpoint like 
I, I, I just don't think their personnel is all that great. Uh, like, yeah, you have, uh, they have the point of attack talent, I think, with Patrick Beverly and uh, Jill, um, excuse me, um, Jaden, Josh Akogi. Yeah. And yeah, Jaden too. Jaden can check wings and even guards at, at points. Uh, but like their backline stuff can be pretty inconsistent and uh, their rotations. And a lot of that has to do with them being young too. Uh, so the effort isn't always going to be consistent. Um, and also just at the level you're having Carl Anthony Towns, who was doing a pretty solid, solid job, like keeping uh, the ball handler uh, in front and like not letting him get by. But as of recent, his effort is, has like waned down and uh, we're seeing more breakdowns uh, because of blow buys at the point of attack. Uh, so I, I feel like if they, they have the, um, they have their scheme in place, but the execution hasn't been to point. Um, uh, but we could see that yeah. uh, going back up as their effort. Maybe. There's some times when Cat is like on a hedge and mm-hmm. it is like he'll just sprint forward and like does absolutely nothing. The guy just dribbles around him. Like it's yeah. Like yeah. the least resistant hedge I've ever seen. Like there mm-hmm. was, I was just watching the Wolves Warriors game from last night, which I bet you were pleased about. But anyway, so there was one play. Jordan Poole came, it was the initial action. So Jordan Poole came off like a, was it a pick and roll or it might have been a handoff or something like that? But anyway, so Cat had a drop down to contain. Oh, so Jordan Poole did have the ball. So yeah, Cat had to come down to contain Jordan Poole's drive. But then Kevon Looney's still up top on the key. So he sets like a he sets a screen for Curry flying off. Curry gets the ball. Cat just like sprints forward in front of Curry, just like with his chest out. And Curry literally just dribbles right by him. Gets a I think gets like a gets fouled or something. And it was just like like what are you like what are you doing like. <laughs> it's like not, yeah. he's not even like trying to contain the ball <laughs> it's like mm-hmm. yeah i mean he just yeah. he's just sprinting forward as fast as he can and obviously like if you're doing that running at a quicker more mobile guard you're just gonna like get by you like what are you like, i don't it's just it's just so bad sometimes with, mm-hmm. with him at the head and it was i think it was definitely better at the beginning of the year but i actually don't even think it was that good um beginning of the year i think he still had some of these these breakdowns like jared vanderbilt helped clean up a lot of it um, but then, yeah, that's kind of where the opponent shooting luck comes in because now you're bringing like another guy into the play off the corner. Um, so yeah, their shooting luck is definitely that's kind of I think where it plays in a little bit. Yeah, um, and like just point about Vanderbilt, like he's obviously great and uh, one of the major reasons why their defense was clicking the way it was at the start of the year. But uh, this sort of ties in to the other end. But teams have figured out like Jared Vanderbilt offensively. Uh, it's been really hard to infuse them into uh, lineups without their offense being so porous. And that's like, as a result, like his minutes have also gone down recently and, and thus Minnesota's defense as well. Uh, so like the two sides play into it. Yeah. What are, I'm trying to think, maybe they can like put in McDaniels for Vanderbilt, like at the four, like they could do that. But I guess Vanderbilt is a little more of a vertical there but they're like the same height and i think mcdaniels is athletic enough i don't know why they just like don't yeah mcdaniels has play- mcdaniels has made a few like notable help side yeah or the blocks at the at the rim uh but yeah like you can't get vanderbilt uh you can't get the production of vanderbilt and also like you need mcdaniels at the point of attack i feel like yeah uh, for some so. guys yeah like wings yeah something like that mm-hmm. and i guess vanderbilt like he does play with a lot more energy and his offensive rebounding is also like pretty crazy like yeah like he'll be like the only one crashing and like somehow get the rebound over like four different guys 
Um, mm-hmm. So I think that's kind of like the coaches like like that. Uh, like it's re- rewarding effort. So um, he's going to be in there. But like permanently, like I don't really know if you want Vanderbilt to be your starting four, especially if he's not really I definitely wouldn't buy to anything on offense besides his offensive rebounding. Um, yeah, it's like pretty limiting, limiting on that end. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Minnesota just lacks size too. Like their defensive rebounding has been uh, pretty porous uh, recently. And that's also had to do with uh, why their defense has been so down. Um, Cat's not an, a great rebounder. Vanderbilt, uh, he's an excellent offensive rebounder, but uh, I'm not quite sure why he just doesn't, not, not quite as good on, at, at the defensive glass. Um, well, I, I guess, I guess like- maybe because he's also on the perimeter and, and that might have to do with it, like not him not being able to get back and get boards. Uh, yeah, I, I don't think, know. I think defensive rebounding is a little more strength positioning reliant, whereas uh-huh. offensively allows him to use his athleticism a little more and just like fly mm-hmm. in and like get these tips. And because um, he's kind of like he doesn't have to like hold someone down like on a box out or anything. Yeah, that's a good point. You can just fly in. So the nature of offensive and defensive rebounding are um, a little different. Yeah, that's true. Which is why it's probably mm-hmm. better uh, offensive rebounding. Yeah. What do you What do you think about their overhaul? Because I think that for me, that's been also an issue for them this year. Like unnecessarily putting two people on the ball like after the initial action and like not scrambling out fast enough. So yeah, what, what have you seen on that front? Yeah. Um, yeah. The overhelping has been an issue, and I've seen that largely with their guards, like Malik Beasley. Uh, pers- uh, from what I've seen, he loves to overhelp uh, just off of corners and. Uh, this goes for all their guys, uh, and that that again, like if they if they sink too far in the paint, that's another open three that uh, their opponents are just beginning to knock down now. Uh, so that again, it just has to do with uh, personnel, I guess. They're limited in that regard, uh, and they're a young team. Uh, yeah, I'm not sure if that's something that can really be fixed yeah. if it's a tendency. It just kind of might be like this is how they are this year. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm just like, what, what do you think their adjustment could be? Like maybe personnel or here, let's do this. How about like encore wise? Like, what do you think they could adjust like right now on the fly to make some sort of improvement on that end? Um, I guess to limit the blow buys, you'd, uh, you'd, you'd want more of a, a lockdown on the point of attack, more Josh Akogi, Jalen Noel minutes. Uh, I, I think I think Jalen Noel makes more sense because yeah. he's still an excellent defender and he gives you a lot on offense. Uh, I think his minutes have just they just haven't been there recently, and uh, they could really use a boost from that. And I guess I mean Cat has to buy in, or else this isn't going to be like even an average defense. Um, so yeah, I'm not totally sure. Um, like if, if Jokic could be like a fine playoff defending center, like I think Jokic was Jokic fine last year. I'm trying to. No, not really. I, I I don't think. Yeah, Jokic is just. Uh, yeah, Jokic he, like cats more mobile than Jokic yeah. on the perimeter. Like in theory, he should be a lot better than he is. Um, I mean, Jokic, he's not. A, I don't think he's a great playoff defender either. Like in drop, he's getting cooked, and at the level, he's not as mobile. He's still he's he's still gonna seed like uh, blow buys. Um, but yeah, this is just a whole effort thing with cat. Like he's not shouldering like half the load Jokic is on offense either. Um, yeah, just getting him to buy in, I think, is the only way to go. Yeah, I think yeah. It starts at the starts at the five because like the reason why they're giving up so much stuff is because Cat is not a good defender. Yeah, and he's also the reason why they have to play the sort of aggressive mm-hmm. uh, pick and roll yeah. defense because he just can't play drop defense. 
what about you think like moving well probably not this year probably a little late to find an option but like moving him to the four and starting a different five and like maybe putting him on like a like a weaker shooter or something like how do you think that would work yeah um nba circles actually talked about this uh during last season like the idea of cat uh, cat not only like uh, you could position him not only like defending weaker shooters and having help, but you can also put him on wings because he's mobile enough laterally uh, against like some slower wings to hold his ground. Um, yeah, that's definitely an idea that you could have in place, but you you need to find that like center that can play drop, hedge, whatever, full time. Yeah. I think who... yeah, in theory, that that's probably that's probably the way to maximize Cat. Mm. Yeah, but I don't I don't know if the front office like sees him in that. Yeah, I just think, oh, we want a five. If we don't have him to play a five or something because of his spacing. Uh huh. But like, also, I know I'm talking about his offense again, but like sometimes he doesn't always roll super hard. In my opinion, I think he could do a yeah. better job of that. Because I know mm-hmm. popping is his thing, but sometimes you just need someone to like bend the defense a little bit. Yeah, and it's it sucks because catch is so gifted as a driver too. It's like the shooting is not the only thing he's like unicorn at in in that regard. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it's just a tendency. It's uh-huh. been within the last couple of years. Um, my last concern before we move on to the other team's defense, like, what do you think about their defense translating to the uh, to the playoffs? Oh my god! <laughs> I mean, I mean, depending on their seating right now, they'd they'd have to play like a Minnesota, or sorry, they'd have to play like a Golden State or a Phoenix, and those teams are just going to destroy them. Oh man, Suns uh, the Suns offensive execution against like this crazy Timberwolves game is going to be something to watch, <laughs> bro. It's blowouts every game. Like I was watching, like they had a game against Phoenix earlier in the year where they actually, I think they either won or they were within two, but Phoenix had like their worst shooting night of the year. And it sort of just exemplified like the shooting left that Minnesota had on their side. But man, those playoffs, they're not going to, they're not going to have fun Mm -hmm. in those playoff series. Uh, But if they play like, uh, if they, I think they're only a couple games behind the sixth seed right now and they have an easy schedule coming up. So if they somehow figure out a way to get to, uh, if they somehow figure out a way to get all the way up to six, then they'd play like, or I guess like Memphis is probably going to take the two, uh, the way things are going with Golden State. But if they end up playing Memphis, um, I think that's a better matchup for them, but it's still not a great one, mm-hmm. I don't think. Yeah, so against the upper level playoff teams, they're just not going to have a chance. Pretty good contrast to the Wolves' chaotic, crazy defensive scheme. We got the Warriors. Um, mm-hmm. so no, you're, you're the Warriors guy, so you can go ahead. Yeah. Um, so Golden State's just uh, they can play any defensive scheme in the book. Uh, so they've they've just been messing around this year. Like they've just uh, they they go from like uh, they can go from playing your traditional like drop switch hedge, and then they'll just mix in a box and one randomly on Mikhail Bridges, for example. They did that once in the Phoenix game. Uh, but you know, they, they, they have the personnel to, uh, the personnel, the communication, you have Draymond green, uh, as the ultimate gap filler. Uh, so yeah, they can play any defensive scheme in the book. They match up pretty well, uh, except against size, which is their biggest flaw. And, you know, ultimately what I think is going to be their downfall in the playoffs this year. Uh, but we'll see. Uh, but yeah, Wait, so they need, they need an overview size. of Golden State. I think they, they do. Is that I think they do. Is that why that's a pretty... you're like, they need DeAndre Jordan? 
<laughs> okay, okay, okay. I was I was getting a little desperate yesterday, but uh, idea. No, I, mean, I, was, I was thinking more. De- I was thinking more. DeAndre is like. Uh, I was actually thinking more offensively when it came to DeAndre. Uh, okay, 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 okay. I, I can explain. I can explain. Like I haven't watched too much DeAndre, but like the idea of like anyone who could catch lobs, like uh, it's it just so tantalizing. Like I was uh, looking at his stats. It, he's caught more pick and uh, he's caught more alley oops this past year than Kavon Looney has ever in his entire career, you know? Wait, I got a little desperate, okay? Oh okay, in a reduced role, like, ideally, like, I don't know. It, it, we could save DeAndre. That's DeAndre Jordan. We could save DeAndre like we did JaVale. Oh, man. Well, at least JaVale, like, JaVale had some, like, athletic juice left. Like, DeAndre Jordan, like, does not. And defensively, or I guess you're, you're talking more for, like, his lob catching on offense. But even that is, like, definitely not close to the same as it was um before yeah definitely but like he's still an above average lob threat like you yeah. could see him throw down those reverse alleys even at like 35 the only, the only savior to that tweet was that you said the idea of deandre Jordan. idea and i had to specify that because like yeah. i know i understand like this isn't clippers deandre this is uh deandre jordan uh, who just got waived from the lakers yeah uh, so but uh, in general, though, you do think they need some more size. I think they do. Yeah. Like Draymond can, uh, uh, Draymond can like match up against like the best bigs in the league, but that's asking a lot out of him, especially like, uh, it's not just a size with Draymond, but like, uh, just the help in general. We like, we just lack size outside of that. Um, yeah, that's definitely, an, that's their flaw, but I think outside of that, they can, uh, if they scale down, it's hard to scale down with them, uh, you know, because Draymond Green. Yeah. Um, I'm trying to think of another option. Like Willie Cauley-Stein once he's off the 10-day with – Oh, no. Six oh, no. Willie Cauley-Stein. Oh, my God. I have PTSD from Willie Cauley-Stein. It's 2020. <laughs> that, that last year with Go- uh, Willie Cauley-Stein – or that last, last year with Golden State, that 15-win season, like Willie Cauley-Stein might have been the worst thing, the worst part of that season. Uh, yeah, I, I just don't want to talk about him. Oh, man. Um, yeah, so let's, let's get back to like Warriors, like their defensive scheme. So, yeah. um, yeah, I guess so they show in, show in the gaps a lot. I like, I really like how they don't overhelp. They really like, it could, I guess mentally like his, his whole thing was remember was like, Ben don't break. Yeah. That was his, that was his saying. Yeah. And I think they do a really good job of that. You see like Draymond telling guys like, oh, don't help, don't help this, don't help that. Um, think the wolves can use a little bit of that it's kind of like it's kind of like the polar opposite of what the wolves defense is in a sense he has done his best but you know yeah best dream on impression it's, it's yeah yeah uh How- yeah uh, the golden state's definitely disciplined uh that's that's one thing you could say about them golden state and even phoenix that cool who's who sort of fits that mold uh ultimate communication um though i think like uh, as of recent, their defense has slipped up a bit. And, uh, you know, we're, that's sort of the whole Minnesota thing where uh, just effort-wise, they're getting uh, – teams are breaking the the paint uh, just at will, uh, lack of perimeter resistance. Like Steve Kern, that Minnesota game, the first half, he was furious. Uh, uh, he was yelling at the team during the timeout. I think they uh, they focused on that. Uh, yeah, they really missed Draymond. Mm-hmm. Um, what would you say, if any, like what is their weakness on that end? Uh, yeah, size, I think, is their only oh, yeah, weakness. Like, so, yeah, it's like if they, 
like some like you, you, it doesn't even have to be someone as, as skilled as an Embiid or a Giannis, but like even someone like DeAndre Ayton, who's very capable of uh, like just sh- uh, taking shooting that uh, hook over smaller players. Like if if they end up switching, which they do, and they have done against Phoenix in the, these matchups, someone like DeAndre Ayton will, will it, it comes down to him just taking the taking and making those shots. Yeah. Besides size, though, is there think any? Is there anything else you think they could do better? Oh like, yeah, everything else is like pretty solid. You think? Uh, yeah, I think they could use some perimeter resistance. Uh, so a, a bigger presence at the point of attack. Like, like Gary Payton the second is. Uh, he's probably the he might be the best guard in the league at playing passing lanes and just overall being a, a team defender. But I think he's still limited at the point of attack. If you if you have him in like a switch heavy scheme where he doesn't have to defend ball screens, then he's he's really good at moving with his man laterally. And if you dribble around him, he'll pick him off and and that kind of thing. But the thing that he struggles with is getting through screens, screen navigation. Uh, and th- that ends up uh, putting the warrior bigs in uncomfortable spots and putting the defense into unnecessary rotations. So it's just another point of attack resistance because outside of him, also like. Uh, oftentimes you'll have a, a Damian Lee or uh, you're overextending guys like Juan Toscan Anderson, Jonathan Kaminga defending uh, ball handlers, which they just shouldn't be doing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So, I, yeah, I guess the Warriors, they're, they're pretty disciplined. It's just, uh, I, when you said their personnel, was there like, I don't, besides like Draymond, I'm trying to think, Draymond Wiggins are good at defense. Kevon Looney's yeah. pretty, he's pretty good, but obviously he mm-hmm. has his limitations. Outside of that, we're talking like, like Gary Payton. Uh, yeah, Gary Payton, Damian Lee's are pretty good. They have a lot of cut, like they're sound. They have a lot of all their guys in the rotation are pretty good uh, as team defenders, like outside of maybe Jordan Poole. Yeah. Uh, like Damian Lee's a really good uh, team defender for a guard. Uh, uh, Kaminga's pretty good, actually, at, at reading the floor, though, even that's up and down because he's a rookie after all. Uh, so I, th- I think in, even Iggy, Iggy's been out for like, Oh, I forgot. He's, 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 he's and exactly, yeah. he's basically been a coach this year. But uh, when he's playing, like he's he still gives you a lot on defense. So yeah. I, I I think the personnel is there, the communication is there. Um, yeah, I just feel like in a playoff setting when it's a little more matchup hunting based, mm-hmm. I feel like the Warriors have a, a like in some of their lines they have quite a few guys that you can just like go at. Um, yeah, which is what I'm worried about. And mm-hmm. if the whole thing is like Ben, don't break. I feel like there's gonna be a lot of breaking. Yeah, that's definitely a good point. Like, uh, the the entire rotation is full of guys that understand rotations and, and team stuff, but they're pretty limited at the like, yeah, defending one on one. Like Otto Porter Jr., if he's closing playoff games, he, uh, he gives you a lot offensively, but on defense, he's it's it's just gonna be really hard for him to stay in front of guys. Like even with average speed and quickness, uh, and Clay Thompson, Clay Clay will be fine. Uh. I think he'll he's more of a wing now in terms of what he can defend and what he brings. But uh and then we yeah, Steph Jordan pool lineups is it's gonna be rough. Uh so yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, I just feel like sometimes like their balance in their lineup, like if they play too many like if they're playing like Gary Payton um with a Draymond with Kevon Looney, I know that can work offensively sometimes, but I don't like just too much not good enough shooting for me. Even though Gary Payton actually yeah. is hitting his threes like decently well, but like teams are still conceding that to them all the time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a shot he's definitely going to have to hit if he's going to be playing many major playoff minutes. Uh, but 
if we if we're getting to like playoff lineups, then uh, I don't think Kevon Looney will be playing the five. So you'll have Draymond there, and uh, in place of the other four spots, you're like Steph, Clay, Wiggins, and Nemanja by Lisa. Oh my god! <laughs> oh my god! Oh my god! Uh, I mean, I will say like uh, a lot of the 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 slander that Belly's been having his way has, has been unwarranted because he is being overextended. He's not a center, oh, yeah. but just just because of the the injuries and the personnel, he's had to play the five. Uh, but he's probably like. You know that's to his defense, but he's probably still been like the worst, uh, or he's been up there as one of the worst rotation pieces for like a good team these these past few months, uh, definitely. Uh, but yeah, he's he can't play any major playoff minutes. Uh, he he has pretty good quickness uh, on the perimeter, so I, I guess you could if you're absolutely playing him for his offense, and you could station him against like a slower wing maybe, uh, but definitely not as the five. Yeah, I think overall we've been a little too negative on the Warriors defense. So like, sell me on like what they are like, and we're positive. Let I guess. Yeah. Okay. Uh. Well, you have Draymond Green, the best defender in the world. Uh. And I, I think that's uh that's what it comes down to. He can, uh, you know, he he'll check your your your. How do I phrase this? He best other team's best player. That you're trying to say. Yeah, he, he could do that. He he Draymond Green can play any defensive coverage, any scheme in the book. And as long as you know, even if other guys are uh, getting blown by, even if they aren't doing their jobs, then he's he'll fill the gaps and uh, you know stop them at the basket. Uh, so I think as long as the team has, as long as they have Draymond Green, then uh, they're in that running for the best defense in the league. Yeah, uh, just a quick comparison. Obviously, I'm probably not going to put the Tim Rolls into this because. Yeah, we're not going to do that. Um, but Warriors, Celtics defense, who, who, which one do you think is better? Uh, come playoff time? Uh, yeah. 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 Uh, I'd still go Golden State because Draymond Green. I think, yeah, exactly. Uh, but the, they got Draymond, and Draymond will make sure that, uh, you know, Draymond will make sure that their defense isn't below his standard, which is just uh, championship level. Uh, and uh, I think the Celtics, I don't know. And this is actually tough because the Celtics uh, on paper, like individually, they have no weaknesses uh, really as, as Golden State does, but they don't have Draymond Green. <laughs> Draymond you know. Green. Yeah, I, I, I just, I'm probably going to take the Celtics, honestly. Yeah, that's I just fair. like their overall like physicality better. Like just, you really don't have any weak points you can go at, which I think is really, really big. Um, come playoff time because they're one through seven like their starting lineup plus uh grant williams oh Derek white doesn't start that's what it is oh yeah so Derek white doesn't start so those two coming off the bench are really good yeah um, and like they're probably only going to play like eight eight guys probably maybe daniel tice um on, and then on top of Peyton pitcher Peyton pressure right? Peyton pressure is like kind of that that is a weak point but he's not going to be playing too many minutes so i'm not like that worried about it but yeah i just like the celtics um but like just keep everything in front like make teams shoot over the top kind of like bog the game down a little bit um yeah i just i don't know i like the celtics personnel a little better and i think they play cohesive enough on that and they're figuring it out so i'm gonna gonna take the celtics very fair yeah okay any closing thoughts or should we wrap this up uh yeah i think we move on I okay. think we covered it all. All right.
And thank you for listening to everyone. This has been a defense edition with a little bit of a little bit of offense sprinkled in. Um, but yeah, thank you everyone. Thank you for listening, and we'll be back next week.